So in this <coughs> view we have together, I recognize that there are many of your exper- experiences in meditation and things you can cultivate. Um, many of the great meditation themes, mindfulness of breathing, metta bhavana, contemplation of the body, so forth. And these are, these are the activities that we can, uh, pick up according to our interests and our potentials, our propensities, our inclinations. And, uh, you know, over the decades of experience, I just recognize, you know, the textbooks are useful, but people are people. And some things people just don't incline towards. Uh, and their minds don't pick that up, and this thing they pick up. And uh, you think, okay, fine, that works for you. And, you know, so uh, you know, um, these are the activities, and just you want to find activities. When I say you know subtle activities, that is the activities is what you reflect upon, what you bring to mind. Uh, where you find your mind easily gets gladdened, look for the sign of faith, confidence, interest, motivation, energy rises, you know, and you feel gladdened by that. And uh, that's for you to um, to discover, because if it wasn't your discovery, it wouldn't really have the same quality to it. And something about, you know, craft is the ability to handle materials, art, is something mysterious that arises when you when you're just handling your materials your way. You know, something beautiful happens, and that's that's precious, and that's that's yours. You know, and it can't be taught. A craft can be taught. You know, and even within this, just laying down some very trying to get down some fundamentals. You know, because it's like <coughs> everybody can meditate and nobody can meditate. It's like, you know, I don't know if you were at school and say, oh, somebody said they can't sing. I can't sing. I can't paint. I can't draw. Well, it's because you have an idea of what the end result should be and you compare it with other people. Basically, if you open your throat, lift your heart and squeak, that's called singing. <laughs> it may not be. You know, Pavarotti, but it's, it's your song, so do it. As you get more comfortable with it, that's your bit. You know, same like meditation, just, you know, open your heart. <laughs> uh, and the particular fundamental is this ability to have a step back, the viveka, is not intense, not, you know, driven forward. The space in front of you is open. You know, the ground beneath you, you're here, open up and look for, follow your nose, you know, what seems, where does your faith go, where does your interest go, where do you find yourself mind steadying, easing, challenging, questioning, you know, some of the assumptions of the blockages, you can, you know, obviously just bear in mind there's things like breathing and Softening attention and goodwill, these are always, I would suggest, you know, um, <coughs> just fundamental healing, healing systems, healing processes, <coughs> energies, 
moving energy subtly, gently through your heart, through your body. Yeah. And so metta is a heart energy. It's not just an idea. It's a quality of softening and welcoming and non-resisting. Mm-hmm. Particularly energy of heart. Breathing as a bodily en- as an energy is something that just continually regenerates and relaxes and refreshes. Now, that's what it does. Mm-hmm. So these are just things to, to bear in mind. You know, and once they're there, you can try to um, let yourself rest into a place where these qualities arise from a natural base. So what I'm really trying to encourage is the natural base. <clears throat> Awareness. Now, just as a uh, an exercise which you can take up now or at a later time, as you wish. And the difference between awareness and consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now, this may seem esoteric, but it's actually quite important. Mm-hmm. So, if we have our eyes open, uh, you, know, you don't. You can either focus on some, so you don't have to really tighten your gaze up. Just easy, let resting your eyes upon a wall. Or a Buddha, something's easy to rest your eyes on. It doesn't, you feel comfortable with that. Could be the sky, could be a tree, you know, something simple and still. Okay, there's, that's there, isn't it? Right? You see something, we would say, oh, that's there. And whatever it is, there it is. It's there. And as you're aware of that being there, you bring that to mind. So the total story of it, whether it's green or blue, or is it's there. That's a simple statement of consciousness. It presents something there. Okay. Now, when it's there, what's here? Now, this here isn't something you can find as an object, that you can, a visual object, there. Actually, the object is not really there. That's the positioning. The object we say is green or black or strong or bright or twisted or plain. That's the perception. The nature of there being an object, the experience of there being an object, is called consciousness. The experience of there being an object, sight, sound, touch, the experience of there being an e-object is called consciousness. One is conscious of an object there. Now, if that frame of reference is rested in, so it's got to be something you feel okay about being conscious of, then what's here? Without turning around to try and find it, because then it would be an object, that would be consciousness. <laughs> Right? So anything you turn towards is an object of consciousness. It's there, whether it's a thought or a take, so you can switch from one to another. Staying the visual, notice that's there. There's some sort of sense of experiencing being here, but you can't really put your finger on it. But because that's there, 
right? And whatever else is happening, that that's there, I'm not that, I'm not in that, because that's there. So here, notice the sense of a space. There's the visual object, and there's some sense of a, a space is not, you know, there was a sense of slight separation from that object. Not a distasteful, but just a natural quality of there is a certain space within which that object arises. Okay. If you move your eyes, you can see another object arise within that space. But the space, yeah, just contains different objects. The placing of an object, consciousness. Space within which arises awareness. And you can't, you know, as of course, when it uses a word like space, we think, oh, it's that space, that thing there. No, no, I don't quite mean that, but it's just the way of speaking. It's not really, uh, it can be sensed, but not object. And the sense of experiencing it makes me feel rather cool at ease dispassionate about the object. The object can come, change, go. It's not too threatening, reasonable, manageable. And there's a sense of... Mm-hmm. And something remains quite simple, non-demonstrative. That's awareness. And as soon as, you know, remember, of course, here I'm using words, which are objects, to describe something that is an object, is not an object. So, yeah, clearly. But trying to use these words, perhaps, to you know, catalyze a certain movement towards this passion without any kind of, you know, statement about the nature of the object, apart from it's that which arises, and it passes. Pleasant, unpleasant, interesting, arises, passes. And here we are. So that's a, a simple kind of pathway perhaps and that's visual consciousness so if it's any kind of manifestation when we're playing with that through the visual domain the experience could be called something like space because that's what the visual consciousness retains as its primary foundation for manifestation of consciousness If we said, now listen, listen to sounds, sound of my voice, any kind of sound, raindrops, birds, sound of your your own breathing, rises, passes, and then that's there. As I'm listening to it, 
quality awareness seems like a kind of silence. Because I'm listening, coming through the auditory channel. Therefore, the quality of awareness seems to be experienced as silence, because that's the avenue I'm approaching it through. Now, if I come into body, we say, what's it feel like? Because the body feels things. And of course, this is a very potent channel. It may be too strong, in fact. It's incredibly accurate for realizations in terms of one's karma, but it perhaps can be too intense sometimes. So you can go to the listening or the visual. Because in the bodily sense, we feel. Feeling gets us. And perhaps uh, being sensitive to the feeling. So there's the feeling itself, pleasant, slightly pleasant, slightly unpleasant, really quite difficult, and there's the ability to feel, to be sensitive. So in this case, awareness can be experienced as something like the ability to be sensitive, the propensity for sensitivity, which allows feelings to rise, pass, sensed. Actually, it's none of these. But you approach it, because you have to approach it some way, from the position of the formulated person, who is formulated within the sense fields, you can approach it through these sense doors. But the overall standard of the approach is that quality that allows the experience of an object, sights, sounds, touches, these are the basic ones. Thought is the other one, of course. Fragrances and uh, flavors don't really matter too much. Those primary things, but yeah, so not to make it too too detailed. Experience of the object as an object there, that's consciousness. What's called the ceasing of consciousness is through detachment, dispassion, and this means that when there is no particular favoring inclination reaction to the object, and there's no further, you know, seeking of objects. So the conscious process begins to cool down. And as it cools down, what becomes more apparent is fundamental quality of awareness. It's always there, but normally it's like the volume of consciousness is so loud, we don't hear the sound of silence. The intensity of the visual field is so strong and convincing and alluring and terrible and da, 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 that we don't notice the space. The experience of the body can be so tangled and twisted and ooh, stiff 
You don't need notice the sensitivity to feeling because it's too too intense. The recommendation is that how do you manage the intensities of consciousness? And this is not, you know, this is a, a, long, a process of like cooling down when you even when you turn the flame down under the under the boiling water. It still takes quite a while for it to cool down. Even if you switch the gas off altogether, it's still going to take a while, and it bubbles and simmers. And not knowing what, how that's come around, not knowing how that's come around, that bubbling, uh, an unskilled person. Let me think, what's this switch do? Maybe, maybe this will work it. And we switch the gas on again. <laughs> Perhaps in a different field. You know, it's in the mental field. Suddenly you're getting all heated up. Mentally, psychologically. You think, we should do something. Well, this, this, this switch might do it. You turn the flame on again. <laughs> So, okay, thought consciousness is called, call it the mind. So, these terms are perhaps arbitrary, but mind, consciousness, awareness in Buddhist language, you have mano, which is the organ which formulates thoughts, the verbalizing system, just as the eye formulates visual objects out of the field. Mano, call it mind, the organ that formulates thoughts, organizes them, discriminates between them, just like our eyes see purple and gold and green, get things and perspectives, that's far, that's near. Mano, the organ of the mind. Consciousness, vijnana, that which presents things. Awareness, citta. <laughs> so thought consciousness, manovinyana, presenting thoughts, word thoughts, phrase thoughts, sentence thoughts, story thoughts, um, repeated thoughts. Um, particular dialects of thought, particular voices, particular repeated messages, mumbled, muttered, groaned. Thought consciousness, extremely captivating. And it's there. Now, what why does it become so captivating? Perhaps even more captivating than any other, or certainly than the visual audiotry, because that's very much me. So it becomes extremely judged, intensified. Should be this way, shouldn't be that way. This is who I am. Why am I thinking this? Good gracious, this is happening to me. 
these terrible thoughts, these, why can't I figure that out? Why is I so stupid? Can't think it, can't conceive it. Yeah. Reading a book, can't understand what's being said. This technical manual. What? Yeah. So stupid. I don't want to be stupid. <laughs> you can't think straight, you must be stupid. thought just that particular function it's a nature to um, like the eyes then you get short-sighted your eyes get you know, so when you're thinking it goes like that um, so it gets very big it's intense when one is so identified with it because, of course, this is the general pattern, isn't it? Because you learn at school, you get educated, it's very important to get the right thoughts, to get them lined up quickly, promptly, arrive at conclusion, wonderful. 10 out of 10. Better than 2 out of 10 when you didn't do it. Failure. Stay behind, idiot. So, praise, blame, familiar, system of that traps us. So being prepared to give room for stupid thoughts, to acquire a sense of dispassion, stupid thoughts, pointless thoughts, pointless musings, Just like the rain, bird song. So there's also something about this sense of space, which is also uh, non-identification is another way of putting it. But it's a bit of a long word, isn't it? How do you non-identify? <laughs> well, you are uh, Allow, particularly associated with the mind, is what we're most conscious. Mind and body are the most conscious to identify with. You let them be how they are, and pretty soon they challenge your sense of self. <laughs> As if you don't direct them, they will challenge your sense of self. They'll be shapeless, woolly. Um, sagging <laughs> things that they do. Oh yeah. It's just the changing form in consciousness. So that's part also, it's another way of, of uh, remembering this essential detachment, dispassion. Doesn't have to be that, the object doesn't have to be that good. Thinking doesn't have to be that brilliant. Be stupid, um, nasty, petty.
But the ceasing is, is not that we particularly relish such things, but that one is not um, adding to them, reacting to them. Most of all, the fundament, before you do anything else, which you may wish to do, that's your choice, fundament is to, that is object there. And if that phrase starts to become just a, just another piece of jargon, this is what we have why I recommend embodiment, because when you come to where things really catch hold is on feeling. So although particularly the visual thing, it's fairly relatively easy to sense the object there and there's a hearness, because the visual sense doesn't feel anything. Now, if I'm particularly enjoying that painting on the wall, there's a feeling. And then I get, then I lose the sense of here because I really get involved with it. Something gets involved with it. That's what feeling does. It, it tends to close the space. Feeling is the basis for craving, wanting more. Now, so but when we're dealing with the mental formations, the mental, purely mental fabrications, which become so significant for our karma, that is, it's this is the lead of our action, is our thought process. So in a way, many of the whatever system of meditation you're using, sooner as it come come back to dealing with this one, because this is where fresh action starts from holding a thought. So now it's possible to feel a thought and be aware of the feeling of a thought. You could say it's, it starts off as an emotion, you might say. Feeling a bit, you know, moody, grumpy, tired, joyful, excited, eager. You know, in mood. Restless, busy. Curious, delighted. Bubbly. So that gives the thought less of a point. It's just the movement now. The movement stirrings in of the chitta. And here, as you feel it, coming into the feeling base, what does here feel like? We use that term again. And you're going to experience in something I will call embodiment. That is, the, from the feeling base, you experience awareness as a quality of presence. 
certain intensification, you could say. So normal, one doesn't really notice it. Except you'd probably notice if I said, let's everybody turn around and look at Sam, you know. One person is suddenly, ooh. <laughs> he would be experiencing himself very intensely without anybody doing anything, just calling the name. Something lights up. Oh, this means here. I'm a target. So then, you know, this is very much intensifying that experience of being here. You're a seen object. How's that feel? Okay, now that's the reference point. Not to stay with that, but that sense of, you know, there can be movements and thoughts and space and what does here feel like? And you get a sense of, oh, this. Now just, you know, as you come into that, just seeing if that here can be held with a quality of care. In our target, yeah. You know something that's going to be judged, criticized, compared. You know something pleasant to be held. You know, it's the, we could say the bathtub feeling. <laughs> Why people generally like to, you know, Nine sitting bathtubs or go into their duvets when things are getting tough. Huddle. Here, I'm warm and protected. Now, if you want to bring any quality into it, bring that in rather than I am something that must be important, steady, mindful, focused, diligent. (laughs) I suggest. (laughs) My suggestion. <laughs> take it as you like, you know. But uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know how here feels for you. For me, it's a pretty intense experience. I don't know why, but it is. So you know, by and large. It's not going to be personal about it. Most of them have had to spend a lot of time just de, de, de-intensifying what it is to be here. The default is to be intense without even knowing it. Until you start to find things are breaking in your hands because you just held them too hard or, you know, people are reeling away. <laughs> mild sense of somewhere between awe and shock. Oh, okay. Quiet. Just take it down, take it down, take it down, take it down. down. If you're poodling along at about 25%, that's about right. So I have to kind of keep that in mind. If I don't keep that in mind, it tends to ramp up. I don't know why, but that's that. So being here is intense. It feels normal. But actually, you know, from field work, (laughs) 
I can sense there's an intensity to it. So, now I don't know how it is for you, but you probably know, because as soon, perhaps as you start meditating, the one who's here starts to get intense, perhaps. There's a charge, there's a voltage, starts to ramp up. It could be the case that one of our challenges in meditation is that predominantly uh, we're thrown out through the six sense consciousnesses, so sight, sounds, there's a lot of stuff that your energy is dissipated onto. Sight, sounds, thoughts, feeling. And now when you close the doors, all that's coming into one point. So maybe the charge goes up. Certainly, most people on retreats will find it is, there's an intensity to it. However, you know, so just bear this in mind. This is why this quality of, of metta, without getting intense about metta, <laughs> how much you should do is just a sense of being held in something that's comfortable. Right? Can't overemphasize that even though words are so weak in this respect. Comfortable. Not tonight to be here. As welcomed. These may be ways in which we can come to the natural state, the basis. And noticing from there, you know, do walking or standing, sights, sounds, thoughts. And again, the one of the root perceptions to encourage is the perception of change. So that becomes oh this too Rising, passing, delight, fading, changing. Oh, what is it that is here when everything changes? Everything changes. It's not an object. It's a domain of dispassion, cooling, space for so much. And the space itself, awareness itself, acts without doing anything as a moderator, because then what arises in consciousness doesn't have the same weight anymore. So this is definitely uh, the trajectory, the encouragement for peace, harmony, and welfare.